Hello and welcome to How Do Artists. Oh, How Do Artists is a show that focuses on a single topic of conversation and asks the question, how do artists live, work, play, run their business, stay inspired, or handle challenges and adversity? From an artist's perspective, our show will speak with a diverse group of artists and creatives. And you, as our listeners, will have a chance to ask your questions during our Q&A segment towards the end of our show. I am your co-host, Ryan Caldwell, musician and producer, and I am joined by co-host Carlana Pedersen, artist and illustrator. Hey. Well, all right. Tonight's topic is how do artists build a studio? Tonight, we're going to discuss how painters, musicians, and artists like ourselves create our work. Oh, Carlana, seems like you've cut out there for a second. Hey. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just going to go and pick up the where she left off. Arts will rather different process than a studio that will accommodate music and acoustics. Therefore, Ryan, being our musician, will discuss the importance of studios that are built properly for sound and acoustics. That's absolutely right. Carlana, that is correct. When it comes to building a studio, your space is up to you. And it could be at home or anywhere you have available space. But here are the main topics we're going to dive into to get you started on your own project. So we will review our own private studios and how we created them. We're also going to talk about the difference between a studio and a creative space. And we're also going to go and boil it all down to seven quick tips at the end of our show so yeah get ready sounds great All right so okay so let, let's jump let's jump right into the main the main heated part of that so what's the difference between a studio and a creative space <laughs> what would you what because what, i mean i am definitely in the camp of they're the same thing or that a, if you call your studio a creative space it's kind of patronizing if that makes sense where it's like uh, like using that terminology is a way to go and kind of separate the wheat from the chaff separate the experts from those <laughs> who are just amateurs you know like amateurs have a creative space but artists have studios you like that whole concept yeah and I, I don't know if i've i don't know if i thought about it in that in that context <laughs> before but i definitely yeah. and, and this very well may have come from the photographer side of me right because right now um i'm painting really wherever i can put my brush down in my home at this at this moment and i'm lucky to be able to have a dedicated space to do that but photography is much different so when i i still am i still do consider myself a photographer because i still take pictures but right, my right. studio has changed remarkably uh it's not the same than when i had an actual photography studio in my home working with clients so i think that idea of having a studio was always very specific in my head so it, it and then when i left or when i decided to convert my space into space that would accommodate me painting and drawing and being yeah. more multimedia, um, mixed media and multimedia. It felt more like a space to me, a creative space oh. because it had to be multifunctional. Oh. Whereas a studio, oh. like photography studio, it Is was a single purpose sort of room. single purpose. Gotcha. It was, it, and because you have to have specific equipment, it's not multifunctional in that way. So right. when I had a, when, when mom had her photography studio that was the photography studio and you weren't doing anything in there unless you were taking <laughs> pictures with your own camera yeah. i mean you were your you know your own stuff but now my space is multi-purpose it, yeah. it serves the function of 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 whatever the art needs to be accomplished okay. so it feels more of a creative space I guess, as opposed to a studio, but you have, you have converted my way of thinking, Ryan, I will say, <laughs> because now I look at it and say, oh, okay, well, it's a studio. Well, and I, I do like the, like the actual definition that I'm picking out of Google for this is a studio is a room where an artist, photographer, sculptor, etc., works. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. Fair and enough. So based on based on that definition, I mean, I think that what you have is a studio, but I do like I I don't know I, I do like your perspective on that because like a in plenty of ways, a studio is a very specific space, as in you can't be doing more than one art form in a studio right. that is dedicated for that art form. And like you're not going right. and well, although there is a notable exception. Because, well, so you think like photography studio, highly exclusive. You think right. of a music studio, very, exclusive. Oh, very exclusive. Like right. you're not doing like the only other th- art you're making in a music studio is the occasional photo shoot of the people of working in the in studio. The studio. <laughs> or maybe writing. A lot of times we wrote in this when we were in the sound studio. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, well, you can you're writing. You can, you can. But you can do that anywhere. You can do that anyway. Um, anywhere. But it's music related. So well, you're and not then, doing so, anything else. We're thinking of that or like a painting studio is specifically something set up for painting. You're not going and writing in the painting studio necessarily. Um, however, there, the big notable exception to that, like as far as nomenclature is concerned, is the movie studio. Yes, that's Because a movie studio is both a company and a place and a collection of multidisciplinary artists. Yes, or a multidisciplinary uh, collection of artists. That's the that's how to phrase that. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they're all still basically doing one thing, unless it's an indie studio, in which case or an animation studio. So. Oh yeah. Well, uh, actually, and even in that sense, a bunch of them might only be doing like the one job the entire time. Right. Like yeah. I feel I I, so I, in that I draw sense. Ralph's nose. <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah. So why don't you talk to us about how you developed your studio and, and, Oh boy. You talk about, <laughs> you know, because your studio is for its main purpose of music yeah, and production. That is true. So that's true. So um, what happens with that? Well, that is a fantastic <laughs> That's a f- So <laughs> if anyone's wondering, my background here is changed. This is largely, Oh no. <laughs> You've uncovered my secret. My webcam is also a cell phone, which is why my picture quality is so bomb. But yeah, check that out. I got like a mixer and I got stuff and a piano and. That's really awesome. This is your new space. This is so this is my new control room. I've been I have been a subterranean uh, troglodytic basement dweller for a bit now. (laughs) And it's been uh, it's been great. It's been fantastic. But I'm ready to live in a room with windows. Um, But yeah, so like I've been I've been making like because as an artist, if you qualify, if you have the broader sense of what a studio is then from day one, you need a studio of some sort. Like even performers just have their own studio to go and rehearse by themselves and practice and whatnot. And if you don't have one, you need to find one or get one or make one because it's impossible to go and be an artist or a creative in any sense without a place to work. Even if that place is just your dining room table, right? Or even if that practice spot's just your bedroom, um, you got to have a, you got to have somewhere. So I've had a I've had struggles with that for my entire life thus far, Um, mainly like when I was in high school and starting to get into like recording and working on music and playing in bands. I think my first actual music studio was the old dining room that my parents had because they moved the new one out to a new addition in the house. And I just got to steal the old one. And it was a horrible studio from a lot of standpoints. The acoustics were non-existent. Um, We thought hanging a curtain over the doorway would be adequate soundproofing for a drum set that I was actively practicing at the time. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it was, I wasn't actually recording audio at that point. I was recording I wasn't. No. Yeah. 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 I was just working in a uh, notation software. I was working in uh, Sibelius. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was all like MIDI controller punching in individual notes, which I definitely recommend as a way to learn how to go and use that stuff. It's a very stripped down way to do it. Um, But that being so, that was a bad studio. Noise bleed was everywhere. After that, it got moved directly up to my bedroom. And then after that, I was in college. So it was a (laughs) non-issue. In which case I was my studio manifested itself, manifested itself in dorm rooms, mostly. Right. Um, But that was also good because during that, like when I was in college, I got to go and observe a lot of different studios in a lot of different places. 
um, interning or doing like lectures and workshops. And so, you know, after that, after I got out of college, I basically commandeered a room. Uh, it was on like the second floor of this kind of dairy barn from the 1800s. And it was this part that jutted off. The downstairs was like a tool room, sort of machine room place with the furnaces and stuff like that. But the top part was this grain shed, like an old school grain shed. So all these boards were packed super close, super tightly together, forming the whole perimeter of the thing. No windows. It was it was a great spot for exactly what I needed, except that it was really it was very small, very, very small space. But in a lot of ways, it was fantastic because it was only connected to the rest of the building by right. one wall. And given that I was living there with my parents at the time, it was very important for me to go and be able to push the volume when they were sleeping because, you know, right. Um, needing freedom to go and record stuff. But anyhow, so my setup dwelled in there for a long time and went into, went through many different iterations. And then finally I got my, got my own studio home studio in this house right here. That was in the basement forever. And I actually did some build out stuff in the basement to go and thicken the ceiling to go and prevent as much of that like mechanical transfer from people walking around on top of my head and stuff like that. Um, And I actually, I got really, really uh, obsessed with acoustics before I did that and was trying to go and get my biggest um, or at least get, get the most out of that. So regardless, I do have, I do have some studio notes that I took about this. Some things that I think would be helpful insights for anyone who is going to try and build a studio, you know, because it's not, it's not always like, I don't know, plenty of this stuff you don't know until you're in the weeds of it. And having beaten my head into this particular animal in this specific vein for so long, I've got, I've got some nuggets and the first big nugget I got is you got to figure out your wants and needs, <laughs> figure out your wants and needs, figure out what you actually need the space for and what you need to do there, especially for like music. Are you going to be recording vocals there? Are you not going to be recording vocals there? Are you going to be recording live audio? Is it just a beat studio? Um, do you want to go and have a control room and a live room? Are you planning on recording bands? Are you planning on just recording yourself? Like you, these are just all questions you have to ask. Um, and it's mostly because it's really easy to get into a place where you want more than you, basically you, you want it to be more functional than you actually need it to be for what you're doing. You know, right. And like in a photography studio, you don't need to be able to photograph a real life elephant in there. It does not have to be (laughs) that big. There is no necessary benefit the rest of the time that you're not filming live elephants. Well, it, uh, that would depend. I would say for a home studio, you're absolutely right. But there are, of yeah. course, commercial studios that are oh, right. huge and enormous that could fit an elephant. And there is always the need for those studios. So oh, yeah. if absolutely. But the, beautiful, but the beautiful thing about those is you can rent them. <laughs> Someone else can yeah. pay all the utilities right. for having those giant ceilings in the middle of a winter hellscape. Right. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, and actually, and that that is a great segue about because, I mean, you don't need to have all the stuff in your studio. You just need what you need on it on the day to day. Anything that you can go and just rent when you need it. Do that. Yeah. Save yourself the overhead. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and that's the other interesting thing with the wants and needs bit is acoustics. Um, That's my second tip is get a working understanding of acoustics. Just do it. It's not, it's not that hard. It's that it's a very finite number of rules and I've even broken it down. You need to learn the difference between sound absorption and sound proofing. Sound absorption is where like, that's the foam that you see up right in the sound panels. And that's where you go and you take that live vibrating audio. Why am I holding a screwdriver? You take that live vibrating audio and then you go and trans convert it using the squishy stuff into a minute amount of heat. And when you do that, you take that sound out of the air. Energy can't be created or destroyed. That's basically how that works. So basically you need sound absorption to go and handle the sound that's in a room right now. 
you could probably hear that because I have none. I have none. I have like a carpet, but it's not thick. Um, so I need to start getting some my sound absorption game down. Uh, the other part is soundproofing. By and large, and looks like Carlana jumped out of here, but I'm going to carry this torch on my own and ramble about acoustics for a bit. Oh, and she's back. Look at that. <laughs> uh, yeah, in building difficulties, we are having s- slight, uh, what do you call it? We we're, were having some slight internet issues. Technical. But the show goes on. Um, oh, That's but right. real, but yeah, so sound soundproofing is keeping sound where you want it so if that's you know the stuff where when i was younger i would have benefited from having some good soundproofing in that room to go and prevent the drum set sound from leaking into the rest of the house right right um so but tons of times i mean there's just so many misconceptions and misinformation with this people expect sound absorption to do the job of soundproofing like oh i want to go and contain that audio i'm going to put up some sound panels and yes it will help by technical definition it will not do what you need it to though right same thing with like putting carpet on the walls in in general yeah i remember that oh yeah carp the carpet on the walls and the egg crate the egg crate egg egg crate foam yeah popular back horrible oh yeah back in back in the 80s that was standard operating procedure and they were still wrong (laughs) it never it didn't really help and you're always wondering you know it does why doesn't why doesn't it do what i really want it to do so the reason it well and the, the funny thing about that is it doesn't the egg crate foam stuff only helps just a tiny bit because or it it helps just enough to be perceivable. And mm-hmm. that's because um, the artifact, the sonic artifacts you hear from sound bouncing back and forth between walls. Right. That's um, that's large. The most noticeable stuff in there is all the high end information like your S's and your T's, all that stuff. And that is the stuff that carpeting and um, that egg crate foam and the oral X foam, too. Oh, yeah. Oral X. Yeah, yeah, you're I not excluded. Oh <laughs> yeah, no. I, and Oralex does. They they do make some great products, and they also have a they have a good full uh, full spectrum absorber out that's hmm. made of foam. But generally speaking, they're like their their budget foam or their standard foam is really only as effective as the egg crate stuff, where it's just the material is just soaking up only like maybe that top fourth or top third if you're lucky if you get the really nice stuff. Um, so so is this stuff that people on a budget can get or (laughs) well yes okay so (laughs) if you're on a budget don't buy foam if you're even not on a budget i don't i still don't recommend foam um right but the but basically if you're buying if you're buying absorption you can just make your own soundproofing you can just do that you just go and buy like uh, some just semi-solid insulation, either rock wool or fiberglass. It's hmm. like Owens Corning. I forget the number that goes after that, but Roxel Rock Wool Six. No, r- sorry, Roxel Rockboard Sixty or Roxel Rockboard Eighty. I think there's a forty too. But those are basically just different densities of the same mm-hmm. stuff. But that's the stuff that really soaks up that sound. That's the active ingredient in all the sound, like professional sound panels you see. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm still not talking about the crinkly foam stuff, like the actual right. fabric covered sound panel that really do a lot of work you can get the same quantity for vastly cheaper as you would the foam and it'll be more effective it's kind of one of those no-brainer things but the problem is that if you want to have it for less money you have to go and build them yourself and you can just look that up online but it's like there's easier way that you can get canvases and and line the backs of canvases with it too and then just seal it with Tons of with people do that. plywood yeah. and there you have your your sealed sound panels oh, absolutely yeah no it, it, none of this stuff is hard none of this stuff is hard if anyone wants to call me i can go and help you through it <laughs> but yeah the uh some some other fun things are uh soundproofing makes your acoustics worse because soundproofing is a lot of going and preventing air gaps and preventing air from moving anywhere and Unfortunately, that air movement is also what goes and makes your acoustics better because it right. keeps the sound from bouncing back at you and creating more room nodes and anomalies and weird stuff, mm. uh, especially with bass frequencies, 
which are the ones you want to go and keep isolated as much as possible in the first place. Like if you have a home studio and you have other people living with you, you don't want them to have to deal with your base all the time. But if you slap up too many more sheets of drywall to keep that stuff in, you're actually going to go and leave it nowhere to escape to. So you're just not going to be able to mix base in your studio anyhow. Mm. It's kind of a, it's a catch 22 sort of thing. So or what do you do? Um, be realistic with your needs. <laughs> be realistic. Don't think of like what the best possible, because that's the trap I fell into when I was designing my studio right here, uh, like four years ago thinking like, okay, I need to have the whole thing like airtight, soundproof, going to replace the doors with solid core doors, going to do all this stuff. And yeah, would that have helped a couple times? Oh, sure. Oh, especially when I was trying to do rehearsals in there or like super, super loud stuff. Well, other people might have been trying to sleep. Um, that would have <laughs> been super useful. But the problem is that it, I mean, nine times out of 10, I didn't need it to be, I did not need the extra layer of ceiling I put on there. Or at least I don't think I did. I don't even know how effective that was aside from just slapping another piece of drywall on there, right? Um, so the main thing is you can save yourself a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of money by going and just saying, okay, well, okay, how, how annoying am I going to be? How loud is this going to be for everyone else around? Is, or can I just go and restrict the hours that I'm doing this a little bit and save myself $3,000? <laughs> it's, like, it's that sort of concept. Do I have to have a space that is acoustically perfect for this, or can I just rent one if I need to record a band? And they're paying right. me. like you could just do that. That's the right. doable thing. So, um, but yeah, so in sound stuff, the simplest solution is often the best, you know, that's the thing. Um, next stuff. Cause that was only acoustics, but luckily that's the thing I had the most to say about. Cause I have, uh, <laughs> I have strong feelings on acoustic treatment and sound absorption and you, should. and you should, and you should, the amount of like spend, Oh, oh, here's another quick, quick little tidbit. And you can find this on a million lists online already, but it needs to be drilled at home. Your studio monitors, how nice they are, does not matter. You could you could use like normal stereo speakers if you so desired. The main it doesn't matter at all if your acoustics are bad. If you have no, bad yeah. acoustics in your room, and I'm not talking like on a scale of bad to perfect, yours are bad and not perfect. I'm talking like if they're not even halfway, you're not getting an accurate picture. It's it like doesn't going, matter. It's like going and doing color correction on right. a monitor from the 1950s. Or it's like doing color correction on a picture you've blown out the exposure. It's like doing color correction with beer goggles. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> actually the most accurate parallel i can think of because the problem is that the sound keeps bouncing around and you're hearing that going and hitting the sound that comes here because sound can hit it hit itself like that which is crazy and creates these phase cancellations and you don't even know what you're hearing and instead of that just pick up a set of headphones pick up headphones just do that it's easy a set of nice open back headphones maybe runs you half a grand and if you could do that, get some with flat, even response, mix on those until you get your acoustic treatment figured out. Otherwise, your monitors are just for your clients if you have them. Um, oh, and another one that's right along there, meditate on your routing. Figure out, you got to figure out how you want your whole thing to flow as far as electricity mm. is concerned, right? So like where you're oh. setting your mics up, what cable runs you need to do, how you're going to hide those runs, where you're going to put them, are they going in corners, you know? Right. How's all that stuff working? Like me in my studio, I just got this giant mixing board and I have kind of gone overboard on routing, which I'm very <laughs> excited about. Like... I got that big board. I can mostly. tell you're excited. Oh, about I just this. need those routing <laughs> capabilities. Like I'm going to wire myself up a spring reverb and it's going to be fun. Nice. And I can hit it with my fist when I want like it to go strong. <laughs> It'll be great. Um, Sweet. Well, and I also have a bunch of like, I, I've got a bunch of synthesizers I'm routing through here to go and bring back into my computer. And I also need to be able to send like headphone stuff down to the studio and reamp stuff down there. Cool. And I think that really goes that that goes and plays into the, my next point which is the you, it's important to make the right thing that you need to be doing at any point in time the easiest thing to do which is kind of a design philosophy i'm, I'm trying to really take home it's like going and making sure you keep the thing that you're trying to find in the first place you look for it like just stuff like that 
to go and streamline your whole everything. So like, you know, instruments and cases don't get played. If you have an instrument and you're keeping it in a, in its case, you're going to touch it way less than if it's staring you in the face, because if you don't see it, it doesn't, doesn't exist. That's true. So, you know, or another one, like our brains just like comfortable and cool looking rooms, right? We like rooms that feel nice that we want to spend time in. Um, Same thing. Or it's like, it's easier to stay awake longer if you're around brighter light because it tricks your brain into thinking that it's the daytime. So, or like for me, you know, I, I make sure to go, I made sure to go and put my studio in a room with a window where I can see the sky because I need that so bad. I mean, yes, it's actually worse for the acoustics in a lot of ways. I was just going to say you got a window in there. So (laughs) yeah, right. It's not, it's not great. My room's not parallel. I'm not even centered. I'm not even centered in my room, but you know, it's okay. I mean, it's all good. Well, and that's why that's what you know. You listen on headphones. You do a lot of referencing. Right. You go in, on different speakers to figure out what you know what you're doing and how that is affecting your space. The stuff's not insurmountable, but yeah, no. The uh, making the right thing to do the easiest thing to do is super, super, super important. And that's actually one of the reasons why I went so overboard with the routing is to make it so because I have a lot of cool outboard gear, but I don't have any easy way to actually use it. Right. Like, you know, if I have to go and unplug, like get up from my chair, plug something in and unplug something and then dial in the gain and then dial in the setting, that's already way too much work for something I could have done in three clicks in my software. Right. So, I mean, a sane and logical person would say, well, then just ditch the analog stuff and go software. What What's wrong with you? And <laughs> part, part of me also grapples with that. And every single time I have to do anything, but, but... It's, uh, you know, there, there's some mojo you miss. There's some muscle memory you miss. Anyhow, I'm getting off the rails. Um, <laughs> the next thing I got is invest in ergonomics. Oh, that's key. Yeah. That's Ergonom- key. Well, and you're that's sitting also in a chair all day or yeah, for hours. You got to make sure you're sitting in a good chair. I yeah. have, I have my split keyboard here. Yeah. It's yeah. Crazy. <laughs> but I did that because when I was spending like, you know, several hours a day in my studio, I realized, well, I was like hunched over. I was like hunched over yeah. my keyboard and I was going and looking down at my laptop screen the whole time yeah. trying to use that mouse and keyboard. And I was like, oh my God, I need to fix this because my neck is hurting so yeah, bad right. all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's like an office situation for you because you're sitting oh, yeah. at the board primarily. Oh, exactly. Yeah. No, I'm just, and I'm just right here all day. So anyhow, yeah. it's, yeah. If you invest in that, it saves you hospital bills later, which is good. <laughs> it's, you know, saves you physical therapy. Well, and nothing, nothing, nothing's exciting or sexy about it, but it, it's still <laughs> really, I mean, technically it's, nothing, a nece- it's a necessity. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay. And then I, I only have two more and then we're, then we're off of my segment <laughs> on the your segment. And I will, I will, I will leave the floor. Um, I'll, no, I'll, don't I'll leave. Um, You'll levitate. <laughs> <laughs> um, set aside an appropriate budget, set aside yes. an appropriate budget for your studio. Yes. I we mean, have a few things in common and that's one of them. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I believe that one well, is mostly like, and I, to anyone who's like, well, what if I'm broke? And I'm like, I'm yeah. Oh, I, I understand that. I understand yes. that real well. I have been trying to design a recording studio since, be- since before I had any budget, since, right? Like before I graduated high school and it's, it gets easier, thankfully the more money you get, but it's, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where if you, if you set like, it's kind of, it's there, there's a balance to it. So like, you can't, you don't need all this stuff. Thankfully, when you're first starting out, you just need to solve the problems that you have. Right. So you, if you're very realistic about those problems, then you can go and be very realistic about those solutions. <laughs> and I think building a studio is like building a business. Um, oh, yeah. If you start off with too much money, uh, you know, you, 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 if you watch shark tank, you, you <laughs> see a lot of 
entrepreneurs coming in and they just blew like up to millions of dollars on whatever it is that they're trying to to get a deal on in the tank. And the problem wasn't necessarily that they didn't have a great idea. It's they had too much money to start with and they did all these unnecessary things as a result. And I feel like building a studio is like that. So yeah, no, you have to be, you have to be very almost utilitarian about it because the more, the more you get excited about like stuff, the less effective you're going to be. It's just, I mean, you're going to basically, because it's not, it's not like stuff's bad. I have a lot of great stuff. I love my stuff. Stuff is fantastic. Sure. Like, look at, look at that thing. That's great. But it's got to be the right stuff. It has to well, be the stuff that yeah. works. And, well, and, and nothing you, what you are need. going to, well, and nothing you're going to get is going to give you markedly better results. Like some stuff you can get can give you better results. However, the stuff that you're most excited about probably won't. Anything that like the budget or like the marketing grabbed you like, oh, I need that. Yeah, that's going to help you out for like the one, two projects you use that particular device on or thing. And then it's going to sit there and collect dust for most of the rest of the time. And you didn't really need it in the first place, did you? You could have faked something, (laughs) couldn't you? Yeah, you could have, Carlana. that's That's not directed at you that's all directed at me um <laughs> because it's the guitar pedal it's the compressor yeah. it's See? the plug-in at least plugins don't collect dust that's that's great um no yeah. because because you're also fighting this uh i feel like some musicians are fighting this collector's habit (laughs) like if you're into synths or if you're into guitars then you (laughs) want the whole gamut of things that come with it oh i want the whole gamut (laughs) and so that can be a problem if you're trying to streamline your studio actually have you ever heard of gas well, like not flatulence, but uh, gear, acquis- <laughs> gear acquisition syndrome. Yes, I have heard so of that. So to anyone on the other end. I don't know if was- I've heard of the- someone calling it gas, though. Oh, that, that's the shorthand for people. So like I'm in some synthesizer groups and stuff gear like that. Gear acquisition, yes. Oh, I've yeah. Heard. And well, gear acquisition syndrome is like it's an addiction like any other addiction. It's like a gambling addiction, but you're gambling on yourself. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's just- like a gambling addiction with worse odds. but but jewelry design i used i you know what i designed jewelry for years stonework stonework (gasps) is the worst oh my goodness you can just keep and they're expensive oh yes i used to design jewelry with all these beautiful swarovski crystals and and stones and jade and i had thousands of these things in my house and i'm like okay i've got to stop yeah, I, right. I, I can't do this. Well, anymore. and luckily, I, the, I, I came from a couple. Um, my my both of my parents are visual artists, and so I got to go and see their studios when I was younger. Right. And so, I mean, enough of that's been imparted into me. But you know, <laughs> like, my father is a very multidisciplinary craftsman of a lot of different physical things. So, like metal nice. sculpture, wood sculpture, right. but also just your standard handyman work and you know do it yourselfing stuff. Like he takes the do it yourself things to the next level. It's very you know he's. Eight, right? He's operating at like a MacGyver caliber of do-it-yourself thing. <laughs> where it's like, we don't need to buy anything ever unless it's from a garage sale or a flea market. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. and, then my, and then my mother had, you know, a pneumatic loom. Oh, yeah. You were studios. telling me about that. They, and I just, I was, actually, I talked to them recently and apparently they ran air up from a shed to the second story of the building. For their studio. Oh, well, yeah. Well, just for that pneumatic loom. Yeah. And oh, <laughs> they just patched up the drywall and left all that there when they moved out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, Ryan, we've got a lot in common in terms of our studio well, needs. I do have one last thing. Oh, okay. I have one last thing, which is just don't be afraid to experiment. None of my setups have been perfect. And I'm hoping that I don't, I'm hoping I'm not cursed by a perfect setup ever in my <laughs> life. I hope there's always room to improve and things to change because otherwise it would be insane. But yeah. Like I've That's changed awesome. my setup so many times and some things you can only learn from trial and error. Some things right. you can only learn by doing it poorly. Like sometimes you're just trying out things to even know the right questions you should be asking. Right. Yeah. Experimentation is key. Um, I mean, that's yeah. important. 
And especially when you're trying to get it right for what you need, your needs are going to change. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Over time, your, your needs are going to change. So things are going to change. Or even the and things then, you think you need are going to change. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as, especially if you're doing it, if you're creating a studio space because you are trying to run a business. Oh, and yeah. especially, um, I can't tell you how much has changed even since we moved back from Minnesota into our new home here, which we've only been here for now two years. Yeah. Cause you're, you're without like, you're without a studio studio, you know, I'm without a studio studio. I moved, I moved away from, well, I had a studio when I was in Illinois, then we moved to Minnesota and then I didn't have a studio and then I did have a studio and then we moved back. <laughs> and now I didn't have a studio anymore. And so it was one of those things where a lot of, thought went into it prior. I mean, I already mm -hmm. knew what I needed. So when we moved into our new home, uh, we already knew, knew, okay, we've got, I think the family already realized they had to isolate me. So, <laughs> so <laughs> otherwise you would said, take over everything. They, it, it would, it would be a takeover. So like creep, you're like, cutsy. <laughs> that the, everything would just sort of spread out. But in the process of doing that, um, I, since I had two studio spaces mm -hmm. and this will actually mm -hmm. be my first art artist space as opposed mm -hmm. to the two photography spaces. So this concept for me is sort of a, is, is new in that sense where it's, it's m way more flexible and way more, um, a multi-purpose. So this particular room, and I can show you, um, I don't have my curtains up. My podcast curtains are usually behind me, but here you can see that I have a lot of storage, um, space oh, look at look at you oh and for those in the podcast there are just bins upon yes. bins on some glorious steel glorious uh, steel, glorious steel rack. 500 pound oh weight, man. Ra weight racks if i you can could say fit that. at least two purple mattresses on that <laughs> purple mattresses um yeah these i have and thanks to my my wonderful husband. Oh, and then I I should show I have another rack. <laughs> I was hope I, I was hoping you just had your husband there on display. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of my husband, that's where I keep him. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait, one, no, second, one more time. Show, show, us, about the show, house. Show, show me what you were. Show me what you were pointing at. Oh well, well I have. I saw um, a ring light. <laughs> oh yes. Well, I've got my. There's my podcast stuff, and there's my ring light over there. Oh, and look then, at that. Oh, look then, it's a ring light, and another ring light, and then there's two. another ring light. But that's another 500 pounder right there, where there's oh, yeah. a, a rack where I hold all my canvases and my photo frames uh, when I do uh, framed artwork. But thanks to my hubby, he sort of found these. 500 pound shelving units. Nice. So we designed it to be able to have all of my art equipment here. The, and really COVID sort of transitioned everything for me. So mm -hmm. originally I was going to have, I have a, I have a table over here where I was going to do my paints and I have another table that could yeah. be, um, pulled up, um, folded up and, and put here. And this wall here was going to be for, you know, actually doing the artwork with my easel and everything. So I could be contained in this room. Then COVID hit. COVID hit and yeah. and it really did change how we looked at space, even more so. <laughs> um, and I will say when we designed yeah. the, the house, when we came in and redesigned everything, we sat down and thought about a plan not only for this room, but for uh, how our kids were going to be um, with me in the space when they were at school. Yeah, and it fun. was never really intended for them to be here all day. It really was, okay, the kids usually need me two or three hours out of my evening mm. between the two of them. So oh, upstairs. So that's why you have your office up there yes. too. Oh, because that makes sense. we completely... Yeah. Uh, pulled out the dining room. We realized ooh, I, we don't use a formal dining room half as much as what we would need a flex space. So we created a flex space and yeah. we bought a table um, that we could double as a conference room, a conference table and wired it so that we could get 
electricity through that to that table. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then um, right now we're adjusting our data ports also in that room, too. Mm. But it has my office, um, my office desk and mm. the two desks for the kids. Yeah. But in 2019, I had an office that I'd go to in Geneva and um, had was building a team. So I was never really going to be here full time. It was just for when I needed to be at home during the space. COVID changed. Now everybody's home. (laughs) So I was glad that we had that space upstairs because it really, really did test its functionality. Hmm. And this space, instead of it being a full time art space. Yeah. It became a studio space because this is where now my podcast gets recorded. This is where private Zoom calls can be with my kids when they have to talk with their teachers and everybody's upstairs in the flex space. Yeah. This room has become more of really a studio, mm-hmm. but more of a a Zoom studio recording studio more than anything else. <laughs> What really did work for me was that all of the space that I have in the back, the storage here is is so functional that I can take out all of my inks Mm -hmm. and my paints and transform another part of the basement. So right now, if you go onto my uh, Instagram account at Carlana Pedersen, you'll see Mm -hmm. pictures of my studio space that where I actually paint. And yeah. the family has decided that they're fine with me, with me taking over a, a small portion of the basement that no one was using <laughs> to to actually create the artwork there. If I need to, I can fold everything up, put everything back, and it all goes back here. Yeah. In in this in this area where all the all the very well organized bins are. But the process <laughs> the process to going that is you need to before you can get to this end result where it's functioning and it's yeah. not only functioning for me but it's functioning for other members of the family too. Yeah. And being able to pivot and change what was originally going to be used for and to accommodate uh the change of our lifestyle really really did require planning ahead of time. So uh, much like you, it's the same. You have to sit down and figure out what your purpose of your studio would be. And then I go through with everything that I do, I go through what I call the five W's and it's the who, what, where, when, and why Mm. of any big project that I embark on. So who's going to use it? What do I want the studio for mm-hmm. where do I want it to be? Where's the ideal place that I would want to have this if if I'm creating the space for myself? Right, when right. do I need to have it by? Is there a deadline? Is there a greater purpose? Is there a time constraint on that? And why do I need it? With that comes mm-hmm. how much is all of that going to cost? Because once you start to detail what those yeah. five W's are, then yep. you're going to really get into how much is that in my budget and and what do i need yeah to your point what do i need that's essential to what i'm doing versus what maybe i'd like to have right. on my wish list or what's really required because that's going to really reflect your budget yeah even even putting it in like a physical list you know just like yeah. having here's things i cannot sacrifice here's things that right. are on the chopping block and then whatever you have left after you get this stuff out, like out of your budget <laughs> is exactly. you start picking off you know you, you very quickly find what parts of this stuff are the most important to you exactly <laughs> yeah you will write them down you will know from that point and when when you're starting to look at how much this can really cost it's going to really determine do i need that or do i not need that oh, yeah. is that something that can go in the wait list and then i sat down and i yeah. did an actual assessment of um the studio what are the pros and cons to the space Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. I've designed it the way I'd like to have it designed, or if I'm changing a space in my existing home, what are the pros and cons to that to that yeah. process? Um, for me, it was the pros were great functional space. Obviously, I have lots of storage, um, and 
it was able, this space, this one room can accommodate multiple functions. Mm -hmm. So like I mentioned before, I can do the podcast here. It's a a Zoom quiet room. It's (laughs) um, my husband comes down here and he does office when he, this is his office when he comes down here and he needs to have um, privacy. Um, And it, and this is where my art storage is and where a lot of my production um, storage is. So those were the obvious pros the cons mm-hmm. um i out i outgrew it during COVID. yeah um i now i am using the adjacent game table in my game space in the basement um yeah. and so that was a con you know which brings me to um the next question that we can talk about and that's after you've done your five w's you know you've sat down with the who what where when and why and you've done your budget um my only other tip would be do an honest assessment of your pros and cons and if you need to consult a professional then that should be on the list too. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, (laughs) That's, that's a thing. Yeah. That, that is a thing. At what point do you need to call a professional and who should those professionals possibly be? So we can kind of talk a little bit about that. Um, But before we do, what happens? uh, It's a twofold question because we can talk about just space ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, it's twofold because I outgrew. I we we Wait. purposely sought uh, out a home where we'd have an extra room, bonus room, to be yeah. able to accommodate m- my needs. Yeah, as a family, and then COVID hits and it changes things. What happens if you've done this and you've outgrown? Your space already. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of the fun part with the experiment part. And also, I'm I for a second I thought we were going to talk start talking about like Neil deGrasse Tyson style space. But no, <laughs> Neil, no. No. no, 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 home spaces. But home yeah, spaces. no, I mean, I think I think that's that's enough. That's obviously an interesting thing. I think you can do a lot with a space without outgrowing it. I think there be, but you will rapidly realize it's almost like a, you, you just have like a ticker on your wall just being like, and that's another one for having as much space as I'd like. And that's another one for, yeah. Oh, I'm too loud for this part. Well, this isn't going to work forever, <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's, I honestly feel like the biggest thing, like what you were hitting on is like, are you a professional? Are you an amateur? What are you doing? Like it, cause, and that's not even a knock on quality. That's simply a knock on ROI. If you're, right. if you're looking to do something professionally, then it makes a huge difference because then you actually have a budget. Then it's not the same, you know, you're not taking away from your studio. Right. You're not taking away your studio money from your model train set money. Right. 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 <laughs> it's going to be all the same money. And so you can go and make space or like make or own a space. But like when I was on the biggest budget, my space, I had what I'd like to call a nomadic setup, which <laughs> sounds very poetic and lovely, but it's essentially just, I had an interface and I had some microphones, I had some cables, I had a laptop and I could bring those wherever I needed them to be. And I got some great results that way in some and crazy places. Yeah. There's something to be said for that because that's sort of how I am. I feel like now I have yeah. right now my actual art space where I'm doing the art and I am yeah. showing the videos of where I'm doing the art is in my little area in the basement, which is now where I'm doing my art. But mm-hmm. I can just fold that stuff up and put them back in here when I need that space again. So it's not permanent. It is more nomadic, like you were saying. And plus, being a digital illustrator, I can take my iPad and draw anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so that is mobile. And and I think when people are doing their spaces, it's... uh, It's great to think about spaces maybe that you haven't considered, like... Mm. You know, normally people, when they say they are looking to create a bonus space or additional space, they think of the obvious, which is an extra bedroom Mm -hmm. or garage space. (laughs) But there's the dining room, formal dining room. There's still a lot of homes that have formal dining room spaces. And how often do you 
actually use on a daily basis your formal dining room, especially when now there's oh, yeah. adjacent family rooms attached to the kitchen and there's mm-hmm. huge islands or other breakfast areas that people are eating and spending time as a family. They're not necessarily using that dining room space. And we have uh, successfully converted that dining room space to an actual flex space. And that works well for us as office space and school space for the kids and for myself. It's funny when you brought that up earlier, I started going, my brain went off on a tangent thinking like, oh, I do love non-typical names for like rooms in a home. I like, I love like, I like having a parlor or like having a, uh, not like (laughs) the social social media app, mind you. I don't want that sort of parlor. (laughs) I want nothing from that sort of parlor, but the, um, what was it? Or like, uh, having a study or a having, study. A, having a lounge. A lounge. Oh yes. <laughs> these are, having a lounge these are and a traditional foyer. names for rooms. And they're so right. out, they're falling out of fashion so hard that I want them more now. You want them back. Oh, it's like a, a like a flex room where it's like, Oh, I get that. But a flex room. That's but, what we have now. Oh, but like, and I do, I, you know, I do like flex room. I like flex room, but I want to, I want to do away with mud room. I don't want mud room. I don't want a rumpus room. <laughs> <laughs> the rumpus room. I agree with mud room though. In the wintertime in Chicago, it's a mud room. Oh, especially I, if you have children. And if you have kids. Yeah. It's a yeah, mud just room. Like so, throwing their boots everywhere. There's just this water chaos. on the, floor. Water on the just, ceiling. Yeah, it, How do they get it there? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, have not experienced that part, but yeah. yeah. So, and then living room too. So we have oh, yeah. family rooms and we have like man cave basements. The living room is often a room that is really kind of just for show that can be turned into a flex space as well. Mm. And something to think about. I did see one artist who really used her living room as a display mm. Um, as sort of like a, an artist display studio where hmm. it, her the living room was sort of designed to be the centerpiece, had these big picture windows. And in the back was where the family room is and all the other rooms. Oh, yeah. But that you, you walk in to the home and then you see this big you know, living room space and who actually uses their living room space very often. <laughs> I don't, I, I mean, usually it's like a, a display piece. Yeah. I, I know one artist, I've, I've seen one artist who did it. I don't know her personally, but I did see an artist who was working with an interior designer and came up with an idea mm-hmm. to take the curtains off those windows mm-hmm. and to use it as a display for her oh. artwork. And so that became her open air sort of open air studio space. <laughs> and in yeah. where the picture windows are, she hung artwork. And so oh, yeah. it was a very interesting take on how she was able to incorporate her, her studio, her art studio into the home by using the room that they never really used and they still, they have their family room. They have their kitchen where they dine and, and not sure how she particularly uses her dining room, but I'm assuming since she did that with the living room, then, you know, they have other traditional ways of using those rooms. But I thought that was interesting. So those are some ways that we can sort of look at interior design or, or home design differently. If we get to the point where we're, already running out of space well and in music it's a it's a huge trope the bedroom studio the bedroom studio is i mean bed being a bedroom producer it goes hand in hand with like being a soundcloud rapper you know (laughs) but i mean people have been doing the bedroom studio thing since like digital really took over just because you can it's yeah possible you can just do that i worry if there was a bed in there though i'm assuming there's not a that was a joke, but uh, <laughs> uh, actually, there, there was there was a great one I saw. It was a picture online from like a DIY recording forum, and it was a uh, a guy surrounded by synthesizers, and in the middle was his bed. Uh, but they were yeah. like all on stands and stuff like that, and it's just like oh, and this is just where you sleep. Oh, very nice bedroom studio. <laughs> yes. That's funny. Well, we should also mention, um, we talked a little bit about it, and that was, when do you need to hire a professional? Uh, That's true. 
when, you know, some of the, the reason I say it's hand in hand with space ideas is because sometimes um, people want to use their garage space or what's been popular yeah. is yeah. getting a mobile shed. And we did this also. We bought oh. a mobile shed and turned it into like a, a man cave for the for our teenagers. Oh, and so we have a shed in our yard and it's really, really <laughs> adorable. You know what the name for that is? Spock talking about place names. That's, I'm going to show you that, pictures of it. It's adorable. It's, 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 well, it's not a, it's not a man cave. It's a playhouse. It, well, it's, it's a, it's a teen hangout. It's where the, well, the, the, the teenagers are going to go. It's where the kids go and play. It's the playhouse, it's, you know, and <laughs> but it's, you can't it's, call it that with teenagers. No, you can't call it that. You, you, no, no, but it's, it's yeah. got, you know, it's got a, it's got a seating arrangement. It's got a table. It's going to have a cooler in there in the summertime. Oh, nice. And it's yeah. going to, it's got a TV and game system and all this stuff. So they can, the idea is that when COVID breaks, and they have their friends back, they can have a space to themselves. But a lot of people, we got this idea yeah. because artists were getting mobile sheds and creating additional space, nice. whether it's offices or whether it's studio spaces. Now, mm. the only thing with mobile shed is you have to have a professional come and help you with it most likely because in our case, we had an electrician come out and run um, electrical wires and set up all the electrical in the house, in yeah. the shed. And so we for sure hired somebody that came in and did that for us. Plus um, you might want to check with your local, um, you, you, you know, your local, you might need a building permit permits for, right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and find out what those, um, what those rules are for having a living space made out of a shed. Some ordinances are totally fine with it, like in yeah. our area, but. And it's different um, in every single town, every different single county, in every town. Everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even like, even that's worth getting a local contractor, just if they know how right. that stuff operates, getting someone to help you through the process can be super helpful. Exactly. So yeah. contractors, electricians, sound acoustic professionals, if you're doing, yeah. yay, that's right. If you're doing a sound uh, studio, you may want to hire a professional to I come mean, in yeah. and, and especially, balance that out. Especially soundproofing, like all that happens at the building level. If you want anything soundproofed, you can't do that easily right. once a room's already built and furnished. Right. You have to basically tear everything up and slap a whole new coat of drywall on stuff following right. parameters. Worst case, you build a room inside of a room, inside <laughs> of a room, inside of a room. Anyhow, but the... <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But one thing that we had in common and that you had mentioned was you want to make the space your own. And so in once it is finished, so you might want to hire a sound professional if you're building a sound studio mm -hmm. before finishing or at the build stage. Yeah. But hiring an interior designer, an artist oh, yeah, um, to come in and help with making it your own once it's <laughs> built is is very important also because you want to be inspired oh, and yeah. inspiration comes from creativity. So yeah, you, it has to look cool. It has to look cool. It has to feel good to you. So whatever that means, you're not going to use it if it doesn't feel good to you. Nope. So with that said, are you ready to recap this? Oh, let's, let's quick recap this lest we go over an hour. <laughs> all right so real quick my my rundown as fast as i can do it is figure out your wants and needs get a working understanding of acoustics and if you are too confident in that idea you probably don't have one yet um mediate you know, meditate on your routing Meditate on your routing, uh, make the right thing to do the easiest thing to do in all circumstances, uh, invest in ergonomics, ergonomics, that's not a word, ergonomics, ergonomics. is a G. <laughs> um, <laughs> not to be confused oh, with Oracle, right? Oh, or the, yeah. Uh, and oh, set aside <laughs> an appropriate budget and don't be afraid to experiment, all Very these good. Things, none of these things are going to happen the first time and you're going to learn stuff and it's all part of the process. It's like working out. That's yeah. right. That's oh, right. The other, the other thing is don't, don't think that you have to have a official studio to create art. You don't. That's right. 
You don't have to have one in any way, shape or form. Like, like when I had, I made some fantastic records when I was just working with a laptop. I made a film soundtrack out of a dorm room at one point. Was it amazing? It was fine, but I did it. (laughs) (laughs) It was okay, but you did it. It was, it was listenable. That's right. It didn't make your ears bleed. (laughs) Stop it. But you are true. That is a true statement. You do not need an official studio to do your craft. Yeah. With that said, if you so desire (laughs) to have a creative space or a studio, whichever you prefer to call it or however you feel it needs to be. Study. What you need to do is, number one, create a plan. You need to know how you're going to use it before you begin and what does that entail. So create a plan, have a budget. Once you create a plan, you're going to have an idea of where things are going to go and how much it's going to cost. (laughs) Anticipate growth. What happens if you're doing this for your work and your business and you start to expand? What does that mean in terms of your home studio Mm -hmm. access the pros um, i'm sorry assess the pros and cons to your project and have solutions ready if you are having more cons than pros then start start creating solutions start figuring this out so that you can get what you need and you want get what you want repurpose unused space within the home it's always a great idea repurpose garage space or look into a mobile shed that's always an idea. Oh. Number seven, consult a pro if needed. And yeah. we briefly walked through what those pros look like. And so, yes, consult a pro. Never be afraid to ask questions. You don't need a full-blown studio to create your art. Be who you are and have fun doing it. Well, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> isn't that enough? That not that all that we want in no, life. That, that's that's fantastic honestly the <laughs> you know the being flexible with spaces made me think of my entire childhood and i you know one of those things where it's like super normal until you start reflecting on it it's like mm-hmm. what i can only imagine what like people who have been in cults as ch- children feel they're like what? oh or like people who were like raised in that where it's like oh they're not supposed to do that with the anointing dagger I don't understand. Um, What are you talking about? So like as a child, my father had three studios and my mother had like two and a half. Oh, you thought that was normal. It was like, yeah, I thought that you would just use, you would use an entire two car garage for a metalworking (laughs) studio, as well as a shed, as well as the entire basement. (laughs) I thought it was fine to use both of the guest bedrooms in the second floor for, uh, for textile work. Cause you have to have the weaving studio and the sewing studio. That's true. Especially with what a pneumatic loom. Well, she didn't always have the pneumatic loom. <laughs> Actually, that's pretty that's, big. That's true, and eventually the normal one went down to the living room. Anyhow, oh, anyhow. Goodness. So, <laughs> but no, just thinking about that being like, yeah, crave craft the world in your image. Use whatever space you want to, as long as you can. That's Don't right. be afraid to move. <laughs> and enjoy what you do. Oh yeah, have fun. Enjoy your craft. Enjoy. I am very, very lucky that I have a wonderful and very understanding family that puts up with my (laughs) paint and my canvases everywhere and at times jewelry. So, um, love it. Thank you for them for that. And Ryan, as always, yeah, so much fun talking with you. I enjoy sharing our studio, uh, shenanigans today. Yeah. You have any, anything you want our listeners to, uh, to know about where to find you and anything special going on with you right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, should I talk about it? I- yeah. You want to <laughs> um, yeah. give us, give, give us no, I'm leave you all in suspense. It's uh no, I'm working on, um, actually I've got a new album coming out from crab cat recent, uh, very, very soon. I believe that's next week. Oh, wow. so that's going to be mighty, mighty exciting. And well, that's I'm all stuff that's been you. made in my studio. Yeah. That I built using zero re- live recorded audio. That's- <laughs> so yeah, that shows you how important the microphone stuff is. All that stuff is com- is computer music or like just straight oh, synthesizer into nice. computer music. So nice. anyhow, but Carlana, do you uh, do you have anything you would like to tell our listeners? 
I about? do. You know, you guys can join me every Wednesday live on Facebook Whoa. in my little studio here. And I do artwork. We talk about art. We go through stuff. Um, sketch with me where we'll take a project and go through it together. Talk about all the good stuff coming up and you get a behind the scenes look at my latest projects. And also, if you want to find out about special events and giveaways and games and all kinds of stuff that I'm doing online, just head over to Carlana.com and sign up for my newsletter. You get a newsletter every other week, and it tells you where I am and what I'm doing and how you can get involved with a whole bunch of different fun things. So nice. join me there. Well, that sure sounds like a whole boatload of fun, Carlana. <laughs> it sure is. Well, and I would like to thank everyone for joining the How Do Artists live stream podcast. On behalf of myself and Carlana Pedersen, we would like to say so long until next week. Same time, same place. Bring your questions, your curiosity, and we will see you around then. How Do Artists is a live stream podcast hosted and produced by Ryan Caldwell and Carlana Pedersen. Our theme song, How to Live, by Bird Garden, featuring Rodgers and Cooper, was written by Ryan Cooper, Anna Rogers, and Ryan Caldwell. The How Do Artists logo, illustrations, and art design were created by Carlana Pedersen. Tune into our live streams and stay up to date by following us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. For more information about Ryan Caldwell, visit ryancaldwellmusic.com. And for more information about Carlana Pedersen, visit carlana.com. Tune in next time, and thanks for listening.